I'd like to start with a story about a friend of mine um, who I met later in life. Um, I met him, he was an unbeliever, is an unbeliever, atheist, and he used to be a worship pastor at a church. And he used to lead, could play the piano very well, sing very well. His mom had cancer. And his mom died of cancer despite his persevering prayers for her healing. And his wife says that um, when his mom passed away, he walked away from the church, walked away from God. And, uh, and so to this day, yeah, he's an atheist. We've had different conversations. Um, and we'll see if he doesn't come full circle at some point in time. His wife's praying for him. I've prayed for him as well. A lot of questions about healing in the world today. There has always been. And before we start talking about healing, I want to expand this topic to more than just physical ailments. I want to expand it to that of any trial. And to be sure, we're going to speak about physical healing, sicknesses, diseases. But it also applies, and that's why I don't want to leave it out. It also applies to any trials, troubles that have come your way. Um, that have not gotten better with time or despite your prayers. They continually linger and they won't let go of you. So what might those be? Maybe constant ridicule or offenses directed at you that you've endured and keep putting up with, but there's no reprieve, and you've prayed to God about it to rescue you or to deliver you from the situation, and he has not done so. Maybe financial struggles that have plagued you your whole life. You've never had any money. So much debt, so many mouths to feed. No money. Glass ceiling, maybe vocationally with work, where you've never gotten promotions or you reached a position you thought or you hoped you'd reach and hope deferred makes your heart sick. Think of any trial or troubles that have come your way that have not gotten better with time, but they continually linger and they won't let go, even though you've prayed about them. And questions that haunt us during those times are questions about healing, maybe, doesn't God love me? Wouldn't he stop the pain? Wouldn't he intervene? Wouldn't he open a door? Wouldn't he heal me if he loved me? Isn't God good? Doesn't he care? God cares. God cares. Isn't God able? Might be another question. Does he lack ability or power? Or maybe there's others that need attention more. Maybe he's too busy, not enough power to go around. Or maybe God doesn't exist, which is what my friend came to the conclusion when his mother was not healed. Maybe he doesn't exist. Another question is, do I not have enough faith? Do I not pray hard enough? Am I not good enough? Am I not spiritual enough? People have heard sermons, preached, read books that tell them they just have to have more faith. And if they did, if they had more faith, then things would get better and they would be healed. Those questions and others, if you find yourself asking some of those questions today, 
or having had those thoughts in recent days. I want to submit to you three components that we must consider in order to have biblical expectations. Biblical expectations. Before we draw conclusions, we need to consider, number one, the faith component. Now, I don't believe in name it, claim it. The theology of you wishful thinking you want something, then you just try hard with your mind to believe it, and then it'll, it'll be, and I want a Ferrari in Jesus' name. And it's still not there, so I pray again, and I pray again, and I just need to believe more, and if I can believe enough, then I'll have that Ferrari. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. Uh, Or I just need to throw out all my medicines and never go to the doctor and just rely on God. Not any medicine, not any doctor. I don't don't think we're supposed to throw away all of our medicines. Maybe, Maybe that's for somebody somewhere. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the route we need to go. I don't think the Bible um, gives us that order. Uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, was a physician. Physician, He helped people medically. So I preface with that. But having said that, are we, I should say we are, often to blame for lack of of faith. Sometimes we've had a bad taste in our mouth about the name it, claim it, prosperity gospel or televangelist that we might see. And you've got to have enough faith and then you will be healed. And we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We close the door to the supernatural and we do not allow God even the opportunity to do something on our behalf. Do we limit God? The children of Israel, God rescued them from the land of Egypt and he brought them out through signs and wonders and they came out, they crossed the Red Sea and they're in the wilderness and God wants to take them into the promised land and they send 12 spies in and they evaluate the land, they come back. uh, Two of the spies say, it's a beautiful land, it's a a land flowing with milk and honey, the land that God promised us. The people are are big, there's fortified cities, but let's go, God is with us, we can take the land. These were men of faith, Joshua and Caleb. And there were the ten other spies that came back, saw the same thing, and said, we should not go across. They are bigger than us, we look to them as grasshoppers. They have fortified cities, they are as giants, we will surely be defeated. And the people believed the ten spies, and they... uh, did not exude faith in their God who had given them the promise and given them the commandment to, uh, the command to go inherit the land, take the land. And so they had unbelief and they did not enter the rest of the promised land. And that entire generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. They would not take a step. They didn't open the door for God to move, they locked it. Have you locked the door in areas of your life, not even allowing for yourself to see or expect or step out in faith? 
when God might have something he desires to do, he wants to do? Do we limit God? Do we miss opportunities for healing or for justice or provision or promotions or relationships or ministry because we don't step forward in faith? This is a real component that some of us have neglected or forsaken. The faith component. God calls us to be people of faith in him and to walk by faith and not by sight. We don't just walk with our eyes and make decisions with our minds. We're led by the Holy Spirit if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If we wait on the Lord and we obey the Lord. We trust the Lord. How do you put a gift into a hand that is not open? How can God give you something when you are close to the idea and you resist it and you recoil from his hand? When you refuse to see or believe or take steps, I'm afraid of being hurt again. I'm afraid of trusting. I'm afraid of... Second Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for people of faith and he desires to strengthen them. Joshua and Caleb, they did see the promised land. God is looking for people of faith when uh, the Philistines were up against the Israelites and Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. And who did he find that had faith? He found David. David had faith in his God. You come against me with the sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And God delivered Goliath into his hands because he stepped forward In faith, he had faith. Ezra had faith that God wanted him to bring spiritual renewal to Israel. And so he took 5,000 men with him from the Babylonian Persian Empire, Jews, back to Jerusalem to start a revival there amongst the people that had returned. Nehemiah had faith that God wanted him to build the walls of Jerusalem. God sets inspiration before us. He sets an opportunity. He puts a passion on our heart. And it's faith for us to say, yes, Lord, I will be the person to do that. Yes, God, so here I am, send me. There's something you want done, Lord, I'll do it, Lord. The way doesn't look very clear. There's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of enemies. Yes, God, I will do it because we're walking by faith and not by sight. God is not interested in a one-way relationship. It's not what he desires. He's not drawn by our hopelessness and our self-pity. Sometimes we just moan and groan and thinking that then God will work on our behalf or, or maybe, or he should then. Yes, God loves us. But how do we receive his love? How do we walk in his love? How do we accomplish the plans he has for our lives? How do we walk in victory through faith? That's the connecting point. Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, 
It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Not saying this morning that every sickness is healed on earth. I'm not even saying that the majority of them are healed on earth. I'm not saying that if you have faith and you'll get a promotion, people stop picking on you and you'll make more money and you'll be better looking. I'm addressing an unbelieving spirit in God's people. A limiting spirit, which is not allowing for the blessing of God to be experienced or the expansion of his kingdom as he would desire. Our words are an indicator of our heart. Sometimes our words are that of negativity, complaining, cursing, instead of hope and life and courage and faith. Your wife will tell you what your words are like, what you exude in the home. Defeat. Trust in God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Change our hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord. We want to be people of faith, God. Luke 6, 48, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our God is big. He is capable. He doesn't. I should say he loves to give good gifts to his children. Our faith can grow. Our faith can grow. You can go to a gym and you can be out of shape and that's fine. You go to the gym, you're out of shape, that's good. But if you go to the gym and you just sit there and you keep pounding Twinkies, you sit down by the squat rack and ho-hos and ding-dongs and you go home and you just keep doing that for three years, your faith isn't going to grow. Something else will. But our faith can grow. It doesn't grow in a vacuum. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Believing God's Word more than mainstream media, believing God's Word more than public opinion, more than our own fickle feelings, that's a big one. Do we believe God more than our feelings? Do we believe God more? Do we believe His Word more and His promises and His principles more than our feelings? Feelings are fickle, friends. We think our feelings should be in charge. Get on the roller coaster. And where it ends is not good. The track is incomplete. Feelings. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. God wants to grow us in faith. We have little faith. A lot of people have no faith in God. Some people have little faith. Some people have medium faith. Some people have big faith in God. And you can tell. People of big faith, they'll see the exact same things 
that everyone else does. And everyone else will be consumed with fear and debilitated. And the person of faith will see, yes, God is going to move right here. And they will see what God is going to do, what his plan is. Don't stay puny in your faith. Even when doctors, great doctors, even when they give a negative report and that maybe you will die or that you will die, the Bible is filled with examples and affirmations of lives being extended. I will live and not die, Psalm 118, 17. And I'm not saying that we live in a state of denial. When I'm sick, I say, I'm not sick. No. But a recognition of reality. God has final say. God has final say. And God might want to heal me here on earth. And so we don't limit him. He may choose not to heal, but I don't, we don't want to sell God short. Your position might get worse. You might not get the promotion. You might get a demotion. But don't sell God short. Maybe he has a desire to do something supernatural in your area of weakness. Remain open to miracles and signs and wonders and healings and breakthrough and deliverance. Remain open because God is doing it. Matthew, here's a lot of examples of God, <clears throat> Jesus, speaking to his disciples. Matthew 17, 19 through 20. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? He said, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Matthew eight twenty six. A big storm on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples in the boat, they're fearing for their lives. Jesus responds, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Jesus speaking to the people who were worried about their lives and what they would eat and where they would stay and what they would wear. He says, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Great story. The disciples in the ship on the Sea of Galilee, once again, another big storm. Jesus is not with them, but he comes to them walking on water, showing off walking towards them. The disciples are afraid at first. Is that a ghost? He says, no, it is I. He said, it's, it's Jesus. They recognize it's Jesus. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to step out on the water and walk toward you. Jesus says, all right, come on. So Peter gets out and he has a little bit of faith, maybe more than the rest, I don't know, or just foolishness. Steps out and starts walking on water. And then he sees the waves. He recognizes, here's the lightning. Oh, looks away from Jesus, and he sinks. And Jesus says, immediately, he reaches out, grabs him, doesn't let him drown, but he says, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? The disciples wondering how they were going to have enough food to eat or for the multitudes to eat. And Jesus knew what they were saying, and he says, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Some of us have little faith. We might have faith in Jesus, 
We know he was the Messiah. We've sensed the forgiveness that he offers us for our sins. Died for our sins. God so loved the world. But then we just kind of stop there. When God has so much more for us. And we have a lack of faith. Let's be a church of faith. Let's take steps of faith. Let's be open. We can have more faith. How can you exhibit more faith in God today, this week, and this year? Do you need to raise up your voice and say something? Yes, God. Bless your name, Lord. I bless your name, Lord. Yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will do what is it? The passion he's put on you, a conviction, someone to talk to, or even speak, speaking to that physical ailment, financial hardship. Two, another component is the this isn't heaven component. But a lot of well-intentioned people say that if you have enough faith, then you'll be healed every time. A lot of people in books that say that, you just have to have enough faith and you'll be healed every time. We can stop any sickness, disease, hardship with faith. I don't believe that God wants to heal all of our hardships on earth. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he won't. Hebrews 9.27 kind of makes it clear. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. We're supposed to die on this earth. Jesus didn't say, put your faith in me and your life will be free of trouble on earth and you'll be perfect. And your body will be perfect and you won't have troubles or problems. And if you do, you just have to say a quick prayer or have enough faith and it'll be fixed again. He said this, John 16, 33, here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Say this, say this, is not heaven. This is earth. Mm -hmm. This is earth. We should not expect this world to be heaven because it's infested with sin and disease and decay and death. And look at this. This is a comforting verse for you. 2 Timothy 4.20. Paul, the amazing apostle Paul, is signing off in his letter to Timothy, giving him updates on different people and his whereabouts. And he says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Why did Paul, the awesome apostle, leave Trophimus, another believer, sick in Miletus? Miletus. Did Trophimus not have enough faith? Did Paul not pray for him? Did they did he not have enough faith? I'm sure they prayed about it. Why would they not have prayed for him? He was left sick. You know why? I think because this is earth. This is earth. We have the wrong expectation, I believe, oftentimes, 
that it's supposed to be heaven down here. That where this earth is supposed to be heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 43. Our bodies are buried in brokenness. They're not buried perfect. All put together, working functionally awesome. But they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, not in strength. Weakness. But they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And verse 50, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. And thank God these bodies don't last forever. We're going to have bodies that are not racked with pain and misinformed and out of alignment. We have the wrong expectation if we think that there's supposed to be less problems on earth. I'm surprised there's not more. Scripture does not speak of this earth being perfect again. It does speak of a new atmosphere, new heavens and a new earth. Do not put your hope in comforts and riches and pleasures and health of this world. But set your mind on the things above. Heaven is heaven. Earth is earth. Jesus' promise is futuristic. Did you need to hear that this morning? Somebody need to hear that this morning. How can we keep the right perspective? It's another component, and uh, one we miss sometimes. We forget. Component number three, the God has bigger plans component. The God has bigger plans component. Paul had great sorrow throughout the New Testament. He often had uh, physical ailments. He was also persecuted heavily, shipwrecked and beaten and, and stoned and left for dead and whipped and thrown in stocks in prison, um, eventually killed. Uh, but a lot of physical ailments, too, that he would write about. 2 Corinthians 12, he said, So to keep me from becoming proud, it was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and to keep me from becoming proud. It's nothing like weakness in our body, but being put flat on our back, that'll keep us from thinking we're all that. Keep us from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about Job's tragedy in the Old Testament. Job lost all of his livelihood He lost all of his sons and daughters. He lost all of his health, save his life. 
racked with pain and boils all over his body. Tragedy of tragedy. Job was a righteous man. He loved the Lord. He was very close to the Lord. His heart was fully committed to God. And he would ask, I'm sure, God, why? Why has this happened? And his story is of great benefit to us. He was probably wondering, why is this happening to me? But we gain incredible strength from his example. He probably didn't know that millions and billions of people would read about his account and see that he went through all of that, and yet when his wife said, Job, curse God and die. Be done with God and die. And he said, how, should I, how can I curse him? I, I praise him in the good times and then curse him in the bad times? No. He said, naked I was when I came into this world, and naked I will go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And his story, we see his suffering. His suffering gives us great strength and helps us focus on what's important, not miss the eternal. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and from slavery he was wrongly accused and got thrown into the king's prison. And I'm sure he prayed every day. And I'm sure he exuded whatever faith he had. God, you know I love you. I put my full trust in you. I depend upon you. I rely upon you. I believe you all, you can do something. I believe you can release me. I know you can make me a free man. I know. And no, things go from bad to worse, to worster, to worsterest, to worse. Make up words. Suddenly, he is elevated. He's pulled right out of prison and he's put in position of vice president of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. He's put in charge of all of the food um, distribution. And um, there's a famine that they know is coming. It's going to hit the land, and he receives food, stores grain. And at the time of the famine, he's in charge of all the food distributions. And who comes but all of his brothers from, from Israel down to Egypt. And he sees them. Long story short, he says, What you intended for evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about the persevering of many people, the preserving, I should say, of many people. Sometimes God may want to heal us. Desire to heal us. Other times he may want to use our suffering for his glory and honor and for the betterment of thousands of people. Jesus had the right approach In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's going, he's knowing he's going to be crucified that day. And he prays to his father and he says, Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. What's going to happen? Take it away. But not my will, but yours be done. 
He's our example. Had a desire, and his flesh obviously doesn't want to endure the torture. Take this cup from me. But defers to the Spirit of God. God, if you have a bigger plan, of course God did, Jesus knew it, then do your bigger plan. Allow me to suffer so that I might save the entire world. Can I say that when we watch how someone suffers, it tells us a lot. Um, People of God, whose faith are in God, and they endure suffering. Stephen, the martyr, um, first century church, is being stoned by the religious leaders, lots of people around. As he's being stoned to death, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Same as Jesus. That's what Jesus had said when he was on the cross. He says, don't hold these people's sins against them. When you witness that, your eyes get off the temporal real quick. And you focus in on what matters, what God has, and the eternal. I remember David Zebarth's wife, Lori Zebarth, being in this church for years and years, taking care of the finances for the church and did a lot of things, children's ministry, played piano at one point in time, um, having cancer and struggling through cancer as it would got worse. And um, She brought so much strength to so many people. She'd be standing right back here in this section during worship with her hands up, praising God, praising God. And then Awaken. Awaken is next week. There are few people that come to Awaken. Only the people that very much desire more of God's spirit in them. More understanding. People that prioritize prayer and worship. People that can come and get away from their busyness and just sit and wait. And be very few people here I'd be up on stage with my guitar and singing songs and sometimes feeling a little discouraged or just depleted myself and singing the lyrics. And I'd look up and look over and there's Lori praising God with all of her heart, blessing the Lord. And as soon as I saw it, my spirit was full. Immediately. It's like, oh God, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I remember at times on a Sunday morning when I'd see her worshiping God and I was filled with the Spirit of God. And I would sing out. And then I'm sure a lot of other people were touched through me then. God works through suffering in such powerful ways that aren't experienced otherwise get our attention and our focus on the right things, the things of above, the things above. When you think about healing, why doesn't God heal me? Or your hardship or your trials and where you're at, are you considering faith? We need to be people of faith. Maybe we need to have, maybe you need to have more faith. 
Do you consider that this is not heaven? This is not heaven. This is earth. Things, every disease will be healed, just might not be on earth. We're going to get some new bodies. That's heaven. You consider that God might have great, great and noble purposes for your suffering and that it's not for nothing. It is really cool uh, just to step outside of physical healing and just talk about when God has a call on your life and you persevere for it. Nothing that's done for Christ is useless or in vain when you step forward in faith and how powerful that is. Here's what God gives us, God's assurance. Wherever you are, Number one, God assures us of his presence. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. Your feelings might say, God is nowhere. I don't feel God. I don't see God. God is right there. He is right with you. Your feelings lie to you all the time. God is with you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God is not blind. He's not deaf. He's not insensitive. He sees and knows. Two, God assures us of his purpose. We just spoke of that. Romans 8.38, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Remember, Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. God assures us of his power. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Circumstances might not change at all and they might get worse, but God is capable of instilling in you a peace and a strength that is growing and bigger. And all of a sudden, you are filled with strength and you are uh, filled with peace of mind. And nothing changed. But, let us go boldly to the throne of our gracious God. It's there that we'll receive mercy, find grace to help us. Thank you, Lord, that you do that for us. That you do that for us. You instill that. You infuse that. You pour that in. Thank you, God. For he, God assures us of his promise. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing is ever useless. Lots of promises he gives us. God assures us of his promise. John 14, 2, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am you might also be. God is so good. His heaven is so good. And his presence with us is so good. His purpose for us is so good. 
His power is perfect for us. And His promises are perfect for us. Yes, they are. So, what has the Holy Spirit spoken to you today along those lines? And what um, confidence has he given you in who he is? What confidence has God given you in himself today? In his bigness and in his sovereignty? God wants to be seen rightly by his people. He wants to be trusted and he wants to be obeyed. He loves us so much. We're such ignorant children and naive children at times. Doubting, not trusting, not obeying. Yelling no at God. Telling him he doesn't know what he's doing. Let's just take a few minutes and just surrender again our hearts and our lives and our work and the paths Let's take a little bit of time and just surrender. Put it all before God again. God, take these things today. Lord God, we thank you for speaking this morning. I believe, God, that you said exactly what you wanted to say through your scriptures and helped us recognize things that are bigger than ourselves and see you for who you are. Lord, we want to trust you, and we want you to fill us, and we want to do the work set before us. And God, I pray, Lord, for men and women in this room, Lord, to lay hold of that for which you have laid hold of them. That they would accept, Lord, the lot, Lord, and the plan and the purpose and the timing of why they are here. And they would run the race with endurance, Lord, and perseverance and a tenacity with the faith And you would bless it. You would expand your kingdom. More people would hear of you, Lord, and your ways, your statutes that are good. More people would learn about them. More people would understand who you are. More people's eyes would would turn from the temporal to the eternal. More people would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Give us strength. Give us faith, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the movements that you spark and your eyes that look for sons and daughters whose hearts are turned toward you. You're watching, Lord. You're waiting. This morning, Lord, we lay down, Lord, Again, we lay down our our pride, lay down our bitterness, our doubts. We lay down our strivings, our personal ambitions. We lay them down, Lord. We lay them down. We say, have your will, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Here am I, send me, Lord. I only got a few years on this earth, Lord. Do what you will. Be great, Lord, in my life, in my family, my kids. Great in 
in our ministries and our relationships with people and circles of influence. Be great in my work ethic, Lord. Help me to work hard for you. Make me honest, Lord, for you. Be an honest person, Lord. Make me a hard worker, Lord. Fill me with compassion, Lord. Lord, help me to care. Put your heart in me, Lord, so I care about people. Help me not to be hard, Lord. Help me not to grow hard and cold and set in my ways. Help me to be tender before you and pliable, Lord. Pour out my life, Lord. Sense your great peace inside fulfillment. God is so good and he's so smart and he's so strategic and he knows where we're at and he knows our level of faith and he knows where we've grown hard. He understands exactly where we're lacking and he, he'll just keep chipping away and, and, and tweaking things in his time and may we be sensitive to his Holy Spirit and let, let us let him let's just keep coming back as messed up as we are, let's just keep coming back to the Lord. Every night, every day, every week, let's just keep coming back to the Lord. We're in it for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. We're obstinate people. We're stuck in cycles all the time. Shame cycles. All kinds of cycles. God, God will mature us. He knows what he's doing. Let's just keep coming back and laying ourselves before the Lord. Thank you, God, this morning.